0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to begin by thanking uh, the Albert and Shirley Small Special Collections Library and the Harrison Institute for their kind hospitality um, for this lecture in our series of Rare Book School summer lectures. Many of you will have heard of the ESTC, the English Short Title Catalog, and certainly our speaker today, Brian Geiger, will dilate learnedly upon that subject. But um, let me begin by reading to you some testimonials about the ESTC. May I say that I think the ESTC is the most remarkable research tool I have ever come across. Thanks to its search capacity, I have found dozens of very interesting items I would otherwise never have known about. That from a very minor historical scholar named Lawrence Stone. (laughs) The ESTC has become a model for machine-readable union catalogs, as well as a catalyst for other national efforts. ESTC makes an enormous contribution to facilitating the study of British history, literature, and cultural studies. It is not too much to say that it is revolutionizing that study, permitting the researcher to answer questions that were impossible even to formulate before ESTC. Only 30 more of these. As a professional in the book trade these 40 years, ESTC is now my compass. It is my first resource when compiling sale catalogs. Another scholar writes Concealed authorship, the most challenging field in literary research, begins and ends with the ESTC. James Woolley a great bibliographer, an editor of the Swift Poems Project, says uh, that project, of which I am editor, would be crippled without the ESTC. We use it constantly. Um, Some guy named James Raven talks about the uh, the indispensability of the ESTC for conducting book trade studies. And... I have to say, while he was alive, I didn't always agree with Paul Korshin at the University of Pennsylvania, but he is 100% right. When he wrote in the Chronicle of Higher Education, it has simply transformed our lives. Brian Geiger is, among other things, the director of the Center for Bibliographical Studies and Research, at the University of California in Riverside, and so he is in charge, in part, of managing bibliographical and digitization projects, including the English Short Title Catalog and the California Digital Newspaper Collections, among others. In 2010, he received one of 12 inaugural Google Digital Humanities grants, for using the ESTC to help um, iron out some of the chaos in Google Books. Uh, He received a $250,000 IMLS grant for his work on a catalog of Latin American imprints. And um, what we'll hear about in part today His work with the Mellon Foundation to redesign the ESTC (coughs) as a 21st century research tool um, began with an important planning grant from the Mellon Foundation. And we have our fingers crossed that it will eventuate in um, hot and cold flowing money from that foundation. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. And um, we much look forward to hearing your talk. Thank you.
1: Thank you. After that uh, uh, enthusiastic uh, <clears throat> introduction, I'm second-guessing myself. Maybe we don't need to uh, transform the SDC shortcut <laughs> the title catalog, and I'll just stop here. <clears throat> um, it's great to be back at rare book school. I was last here in uh, 1996 uh, for two years when I was a, a graduate student gopher. I guess they don't have those anymore, uh, but I worked for two summers. Um, and it's, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years. Hopefully it won't be 20 more. Um, When the staff of Rare Book School asked me uh, to present this year, I thought it would be an opportunity um, to present my vision for the future of the English Short Title Catalog uh, to a knowledgeable, enthusiastic, and I hope uh, critical audience. I believe the SDC is at a turning point in its uh, long and remarkable history. Uh, Thanks to support, as Michael mentioned, from the Mellon Foundation, over the last three years, (coughs) the staff of the SDC has been working to remodel uh, the project's uh, data and redesign the software used to host it. A few weeks ago I submitted to Mellon uh, an, implementation planning, uh, an implementation grant to put theory into practice to turn our vision to, into something that you, researchers, librarians, and rare book use, uh, lovers can use. But not just used in the traditional sense of the word, <coughs> uh, of searching an online bibliography. My hope is that the redesign will fundamentally change the relationship between the database and the researchers who rely on it. Over the next couple of years, if we receive the grant funding that we've requested, the SDC, as the title of my talk suggests, will be transformed. But before I discuss the future of the SDC, I thought I'd give you some background on myself and the project itself. And I apologize. I spent two weeks on vacation with, uh, essentially sleeping with my six-year-old daughter, and I've caught her chest cold, so I'm losing my voice. Um, More than a few of you, I suspect, when you think of the ESTC, think of my predecessor, Henry Snyder. Uh, For more than three decades, he tirelessly worked (coughs) uh, driving the project forward, corralling libraries and librarians uh, to participate. And though the ESDC has always been co managed by uh, ESTC North America, which is a nonprofit now housed at uh, UC Riverside and the British Library, I think it's fair to say that the project wouldn't be what it is today uh, without Henry's guidance and oversight over more than 30 dec- uh, three decades, 30 years. Uh, Let me see if I can make, get this thing to work. Yes. Uh, Henry retired at the end of 2010, uh, in case any of you are wondering, he remains as active as ever in, uh, in San Francisco, uh, pursuing his love of um, bibliography and genealogy. Uh, upon his retirement in 2010, I became the director of the CbSR and by extension, the co-director of the ESTC um, with the British Library. And so this is our homepage and uh, uh, the projects that we manage. Uh, for those of you who haven't used Cecila, our uh, catalog of Latin American imprints, um, I encourage you to to check that out. It's grown in uh, fundamentally different ways, and the STC has and is a different kind of catalog, um, but is a unique resource for uh, early Latin American bibliography. So I joined the CVSR three years earlier, in two thousand and seven, after completing a PhD in American history with an emphasis in the history of the book at the College of William and Mary, just down in sixty four. Um, and let me be frank, I don't consider myself to be a bibliographer, uh, although I have developed a love for bibliography over the last few years. And I'm, I'm certainly not a cataloger, although I can fumble my way through a Mark record by now. Um, and I'm not currently a librarian, although I've worked for libraries in years and have a library science degree. I'd like to think that my uh, background has provided a, a fresh perspective for the STC. Whether or not that's true, my goal remains, um, as was the foundation of the SCC 35 years ago, um, to make it a resource, a resource for scholars across the disciplines, uh, not just a database for bibliographers or catalogers. That's up to date on the most recent cataloging rules. In short, um, as my title, the second part of my title indicates, to keep it a preeminent scholarly research tool for years to come. And with that in mind, I have a confession to make. Um, Don't worry, this won't be a Lindsay Lohan moment. Um, My confession is this. When I think of the STC, I think of data, uh, lots and lots of data. And this hit home with me uh, just a few weeks ago at the RBMS pre-conference in Minneapolis when we um, there was a, I think they called it an un-meeting, to discuss bibliography. And we got around to the topic of how to update the classics. And I realized as we were going around the room, I think... Uh, many of the people in that meeting when they thought of a bibliography imagined something like this. Uh, and this of course is a page from Evans. Or perhaps they thought of something like this. The, a mark record um, from the SDC catalog at the CBSR. Increasing over the last few years when I've thought of a um, bibliography I've increasingly started to think of it as something like this. This is um, the British Library's attempt to model the British National Bibliography on a linked data model. Um, I think that that project has since been abandoned, um, but this gives you some idea. Hopefully that will not happen to the STC. um, But this gives you some idea of what um, bibliographic uh, data might look like in a linked data format. This isn't necessarily what the STC might look like, I just presented as a model. And I'll I'll talk a little bit more about linked data uh, shortly. What I want to point out at this point is that one of the advantages of this model is that it's relatively easy to go from here to here or even back to here if you wanted to. It's much harder, uh, as I know, working on Cecilia to go from here to here and then to here. Um, But more to the point, perhaps, in the context of this uh, presentation, this model opens up numerous new possibilities for the STC as both, both a research tool and, the, and the resource. <clears throat> at this point, uh, some of you might be asking what exactly is the STC?" I assume most of you are at least passingly familiar with it. Um, but just in case, I'll provide a, a very abbreviated history. Uh, I'll come back to this in a second. You can kind of mull it over as I uh, go into the brief history. The ESTC is the most comprehensive guide available to the output of the uh, English of the present English-speaking world, pardon me, before 1801. Technically, an item is in scope uh, for the database, uh, in other words, included, if it was printed in England or any of its former colonies or anywhere else in, uh, in the English language uh, before 1801. I suspect a few of you who use ESTC at all regularly are sitting there um, shaking your head that this uh, definition is not entirely true. And in fact, um, certain categories of uh, items such as full engraved works, playbills, um, certain broadsides have historically been admitted from the ESTC largely for uh, matters of expediency. And one of my hopes uh, for this redesign is that we can uh, finally start to include more of those works to make them more inclusive. So the ESTC is both a bibliography and the union catalogue of pre-1801 imprints. As a bibliography, the the, uh, project aims to record every distinct item printed during the so-called hand press era in England and its territories. And as a union catalogue, it lists both copies of those items held at institutions and, more recently, uh, digital reproductions of those copies. The database currently has close to half a million records. At last count, it was 481,025. Um, it has more than 3 million holdings, uh, but somewhere over 250,000 links to fee-based uh, digital copies, mainly in Ego and Echo, uh, and somewhere over 50,000 links to openly available copies, um, mainly at Google Books and the Hathi Trust, The number that's um, growing rapidly right now. So I left this um, up while I was going on uh, uh, so that you could look at it. Um, here I've edited, highly edited, one record um, to try to show those three areas that I just mentioned. So this is the, uh, the bibliographical part of the SDC record. This um, title is actually, I had to edit it down quite a bit, so that's not how it originally appeared in the SDC. The digital surrogates um, for this particular item, we've identified two in EBO and so far one in Google Books and then the holdings of various institutions, which for this particular record is about three times as long as what I was able to show here. Uh, since 2006, the SDC has been um, freely available through the British Library. Those of you who were using it for, um, prior to that time know it was a fee-based um, uh, project that your institution had to subscribe to. It's hosted there on an implementation of ALIF that they also use for their general catalog. This shows a search screen, and then this is how they display Mark, um, which between us, I don't care for as much as our system. That's a CDSR, but that's what we have at the VL. Um, the project started in the late nineteen seventies as the eighteenth century short title catalog, and over the next few data, uh, next few decades, data was added from a variety of sources and in numerous formats. I would also add that the ESTC did not start a, its life out as a quote-unquote library project. Uh, it was initially uh, a, a joint effort between the National Endowment for Humanities and ASICS, the American Society for Eighteenth-Century Studies. This was back in the, I think, the mid-seventies when they first proposed the ESTC. Um, and it was, in a, in a real sense, one of the earliest Um, incarnations of what's now called the digital humanities, I think. Um, During the first decade or so the initial 18th century portion of the database was created by catalogers in England and North America working from book in hand. When they came across an item that was new to the project, they submitted what they called a report, which was essentially a photocopy of a title page and a handwritten physical description and this is an example of one of those reports. Uh, this is the photocopy of the title page, and then this is what the librarian at the University of British Columbia submitted as the description of the item. The CVSR saved all of these reports in what we call their uh, 18th century manual file, and recently we scanned all of them, about 90,000, uh, and have appended them to the appropriate records. So this, this is that uh, mark record for the item you just saw. Uh, and the image that, that I just showed you is available through that link. I hope this. I hope to make these uh, images available in the redesigned ESTC. They're not currently accessible through the BLs site. Um, and I mention this because the first, for the first third or so of its life, as the uh, phrase "short title" suggests, ESTC. Um, truncated certain fields, particularly the title and imprint, which you can see in this one, the 245 and the 260. Over the years, we've edited many records to fill out these fields, but over about uh, somewhere uh, over 100,000 remain truncated and are upgraded to current standards. And so more of these could be improved um, by referencing uh, the attached reports like this from the the, uh, scanned image and the physical description. Um, In the late 1980s and early 1990s, what was originally the 18th century catalog was expanded to include pre-1700 imprints. Electronic versions for STC for the pre-1641 period and Wing for 1641 to 1700 were loaded into the database. Along with records from University Microfilms, what is now ProQuest for microfilmed items. And this produced three general issues for the STC. Records um, for STC and Wing, which had not been verified uh, against physical holdings, were marked as placeholders, which you can see in this 509 note. Physical copies for most of these have since been identified, but they're somewhere over 2,000. Uh, these so-called placeholders that um, remain in the database. Some of them uh, that we have researched have uh, turned out to be ghosts. Uh, records from the UMI microfilm were marked as unedited records since an ESTC cataloger had not actually worked on them. We had just gotten them directly from UMI. And About 6,400 of these uh, unedited records remain in the ESTC. Finally, the electronic versions of Wing and STC contained far fewer holdings than the 18th century century records did uh, in the late 1980s and early 90s. And so in in an effort to address these issues, uh, particularly the limited holdings for the pre-1700 records, in the early 2000s, CBSR began collecting Mark records uh, from participating libraries and matching them to the STC. Uh, this is what we call our Extract, match, extract Matching Project, um, which continues and over the last decade has produced thousands of new records and hundreds of thousands of new holdings uh, and existing ESTC records. So when a record from a library catalog um, is, that is new is added to the ESTC, we include this annotation note, uh, which you see here, uh, to indicate that the record actually comes from... Uh, from a library catalog. It's not something that the SDC itself created um, to indicate that the physical copy was not consulted. And as I mentioned earlier, in recent years I've expanded this opec Maxing project to include uh, items from Google Books and more recently from the Hathi Trust, which has produced those 50,000 plus links that we now have. I present this very abbreviated history of the SDC uh, for two reasons. First, I hope it gives you a sense of uh, what, you, what, what you're seeing in the database when you use it. Some, um, it's not this uh, just morass of data that without any kind of context for it. And second, more to the point of this presentation, I want to stress that um, the STC's complicated and somewhat haphazard development over the last three decades or so has resulted in records that are heterogeneous and uneven in their quantity and quality of information. In other words, um, despite or perhaps uh, because of the STC's long and accomplished record, there remains a lot of work to be done. Which brings me to the um, proposed Mellon-funded redesign of the STC. The central question to this project can be summarized like this. Where does the STC go from here and why? And by extension, what is the justification for any further funding for development? I would also add, parenthetically, that the question has pressing practical import beyond maintaining the SDC's relevance as a um, scholarly research tool. It's cost probably uh, well north of $10 million to create the SDC over 30 years, and as many of you probably know, funding for bibliographic projects like this has largely dried up. So how does the SDC continue to grow and improve without um, the kind of funding that it's de- depended on for the last decades? Um, that question, is as much as any other, um, uh, rests on my mind every day. So this process of reimagining and redesigning the STC began in the spring of 2010 when I was invited by Martin Mueller to Northwestern to a Mellon-funded uh, workshop to discuss scholarly editing of early modern texts. Uh, and among other things, I took the oppor- opportunity there to present some initial ideas on what my vision was for the STC. A few months later, the Mellon Foundation invited me to submit a planning grant, which was funded. And over the course of 2011, a planning committee met, uh, discussed, and debated numerous ideas for redesigning the STC. Uh, In the spring of 2012, um, the planning committee published its initial recommendations online for public consideration and comment. The blog is estc21.wordpress.com. This is still up if you're um, curious to take a look at it. And it still um, provides a good general overview of uh, our ideas for the redesign. After reviewing the public comments in the late spring of 2012, the committee made its um, final recommendations. And then over the course of the summer, the project consultant Carl Stamer uh, assessed how best to implement those recommendations. And he ultimately proposed creating new software for the STC from two uh, existing open source programs. I want to quickly uh, acknowledge and thank Carl. Among other projects, Carl has worked on the English uh, Broadside Ballot Archive at, at UC Santa Barbara. Some of you might be familiar with that. Um, and he's worked on another project here at uh, UVA that I'll mention in a, in a minute. <clears throat> with his extensive experience in early modern studies and research, uh, humanities, computing, and library technology, uh, Carl's been an invaluable participant in the redesign. And simply put, I don't think the project would be possible without his expertise and creativity. This month, uh, this past month, uh, a few weeks after filing our report with Mellon, we are invited to submit a proposal to develop the software that Carl designed. That proposal is now under consideration and we should so know sometime this fall whether Mellon will fund it. If they do, the the development will run from late 2013 to 2015. Before I uh, discuss the proposed software, Let me address the challenges and opportunities confronting the STC that the planning committee identified, that is, the justifications for the redesign. So first, harness the expertise of the STC users. Increasingly, researchers are no longer content to simply search for and download records. And the way that we see that most obviously is the number of emails that both the CVSR and the BL receive every week. Um, that are simply becoming overwhelming. Part of those come through ECHO, and so they're commenting on ECHO items that get passed along to us. Um, the new system should be enable users to uh, edit existing data, add new data, <coughs> including data that the project does not currently collect, and review contributed records to determine whether or not they are new to the database. Their efforts will help to enlarge and improve a resource that is essential to their research so that can improve the matching of contributed records. The system that the center currently uses to process records it uh, receives from institutions is neither efficient nor easy to use. The new system should provide a means for contributors to easily submit records without contacting the CBSR and tools for staff at the CBSR to keep track of those submissions and to process them. In addition, the CVSR currently relies on a combination of student matchers and catalogers to process the stuff that that, that doesn't match programmatically, uh, a model that's not really sustainable long-term. Users can and will do that matching. Third, become the electronic hub. As scholars increasingly rely on and expect to find digital surrogates of printed copies, the SDC can and should extend its mission of bibliographical control to include online repositories. With such an effort, uh, the scholarly community will continue to have a resource for identifying where all copies <coughs> of early modern works, both physical and electronic, are located. ESDC users will contribute to this effort by reviewing data contributed by online repositories and by adding links uh, to electronic copies that they find online uh, to the appropriate ESTC records. And lastly, uh, make the ESTC data more uh, open and more accessible. Currently, ESTC data is only available for download as records in the MARC cataloging format. Increasingly, however, libraries and online repositories are adopting the linked data model in which individual strings of data are, are accessible programmatically and can link, be linked together. The redesigned ESTC will adopt this model, which will allow uh, other projects to connect ESTC data to, in ways that best suit their needs, and enable the ESTC to connect to and incorporate data from other systems. So the software package that we propose to uh, to meet these challenges and opportunities, we'll combine the Xware software suite, which is developed out of the uh, University of Rochester, and Colex, uh, which was created here at UVA and I believe is still maintained here. So, XC. XC will support back end uh, data processing, essentially, the linked data portion of the project records that are contributed to the CDBSR will essentially get processed through XE before moving on to Colex. I should mention these next few slides uh, uh, Carl created for a presentation we gave in ALA just about a month or so ago. And so I'll do my best to explain and he could explain them much better. So X, XE has several advantages for the ESTC. It imports uh data directly from, I, from library systems or from files. It uses a plug-in architecture which is, was important to Carl to be able to define the output uh, from XC. And it can export records uh, directly, uh, it can export records into a user-defined XML format or directly back, uh, pushing it back to library systems. So, the underlying data architecture for XC is the event-driven triplets model. Um, I suspect a few of you are familiar with this context. I'll be brief in my discussion of linked data. We can circle back to it later um, if you have any questions. So, essentially, in this model, you have the subject, the object, and the predicate uh, defining (coughs) the relationships between two bits of data. And any thing can be both a subject or an object, so in this case cricket is the object of John Smith, it's something he plays, or it can be the subject, cricket is a sport. The current underlying data model for the SDC, just like any other library catalog you encounter, is what Carlos Mar- uh, has called the Markgnostic data model which of course is itself biased towards monographs and doesn't do particularly well with things like serials, broadsides, playbills. Um, and just as an aside from what I know of the work that the Library of Congress is doing with RDA, I think one of the mistakes they're making is modeling it on the easiest thing to catalog books uh, rather than uh, tackling the tough bits first. Um, in this particular model, I uh, you have a record that defines a thing, the item, and then the bits of data that refer to, to that record and relate only to it. The goal with the STC is to migrate um, to what Carlos called an agnostic data store. Um, so on the left, you have a traditional MARC model with the record at the center, and on the right, it, uh, 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 a more data centered model. Um, this has several advantages for the STC going forward. Because a, a data architecture like this makes limited assumption, assumptions about the universe of things it can describe, it's, it does make some basic assumptions, but it tries to limit those. It should be able to adequately describe almost everything within that universe. Um, so from a practical, practical perspective, we might finally be able to start to catalog the nasty bits that we haven't done over the last th- uh, three decades or so. The second advantage is that this kind of data store is, is uh, extensible. As our understanding of the, uh, the world of print and the items within it expands, <coughs> uh, the STC will be able to grow and expand along with it. And finally, a model like this can deliver data in multiple formats uh, simultaneously and on the fly. So if one project wants a, a bit of data for a particular subset of the STC and a CSV file, uh, this project can deliver it at the same time it sends data uh, in MARC or RDA to another project for another bit of data. Uh, It's much more flexible that way. So this is a a kind of simplified uh, version of what this um, system will ultimately look like. Um, So in the middle you have the core layer, the bits of data. Uh, On the right is actually what you, the user, would see. That's the event layer. It defines the, for any particular item, it's defining the relationship between the the bits of data uh, for that item. And then on the left, you have a mapping layer that defines uh, the output of the data for uh, projects or institutions. This final slide shows our initial translation of MARC into a linked data format. On the left, of course, you have... uh, a mark record from the CDSRs system uh, and on the right you have some of that. Unfortunately, I didn't include a second slide but um, so it doesn't show all of the data that's here on the left but it shows some of it. I should note that the namespaces on the right aren't the final version. Um, that's be- Defining those will be part of our Man- Mellon Funded Grant Project. And what this particular example doesn't show uh, is linking out to other authority files like VAF or the Library of Congress's authority file, which is an ins- essential component of Linked Data. So that's a very brief tour of kind of the, the back end of what the new STC will look like. For those of you who continue to use the STC after my talk, uh, what you'll uh, you will encounter is a Colex front end. Um, Colex will provide the web-based user interface to search, uh, search and the music curation part of the project. <clears throat> um, a basic search in Colex is going to look very familiar. Uh, I believe this yeah, this comes from Nines, which is currently using Colex as its 18th Century Connect and I forget the other project. Um, so this is being used by the digital humanities world right now, just not for bibliographic data per se. Um before I get ahead of myself, one of the comments that we got repeatedly on the blog that we did back in the spring of 2012 is that researchers weren't interested in user curation um, and editing. They just wanted to do a basic search like they'd always done with the SDC. So rest assured, if that's all you want to do, Colex will do it, and you could stop right here. Um, But let me go a little bit deeper into what Colex might might look like. And I should say... um, I can't actually show what Colex is going to look like, because a big part of our grant funding is actually developing these features in Colex. Uh, so what I'm going to show you is some very crude drawings by a <laughs> humanities scholar uh, trying to imagine what it's going to look like. Uh, so this is um, essentially when you, when you search the new, the new STC, you'll be searching two separate data sets. By default, you'll search the STC um, the data itself. Um, so this is searching for Pauper uh, and the <coughs> um, option for a researcher would be to be uh, to search this data set of contributed records, the stuff that um, didn't match anything in the STC or matched more than one thing. And so what you get back is essentially two search results, the of ESTC records like what you get back currently in the British Library and this is me trying to imagine what it might look like. Um, I've imagined it as a tab result, but um, how it actually um, appears in the final version um, is not definitive yet. These are actually the first three records in the STC for that search of pauper, at least in the CBSR site. And then this is what it might, if you wanted to look at the contributed records, this is what it might look like. So the stuff on the left are items that matched more than one thing in the STC after programmatic matching. The stuff on the right are things that didn't match in an ESTC. Um, and so what you see here is that this, uh, this comes from Google's digitization at the University of Ghent. You can see that here in the 999. And so what you see is uh, the 245 is the data that we got from Google, the 100 and 245, and 260 for that matter. Um, and so our programmatic matching suggested that this Google item could match either this 990 or this one. So the way I would imagine is that a user could click on those links and actually see the um, ESTC, I'm sorry. See the uh, ESTC record and match against this data, or they could click on um, this link to the actual book at Google Books and match that way. And in fact, oftentimes with Google Books, you do have to look at the digitized, the digital surrogate um, because the the data that they've that they've compiled from the library is so limited. I think actually Google might have more than they're giving us, but um, this is what we get, so that's what we have to work with. And so these next few slides are me trying to imagine not what it would look like for a, someone going into the STC, but what's going on behind the scenes. And I've um, divided them into two broad categories, curation and editing. So this is imagining for this, um, for this record what might happen from within the system. So this is, uh, this is a database of contributed records. Um, a user might, uh, a, a researcher using, it. I hate that, that word user, but I keep coming back to it. It's, we talk about drug users, not someone using the STC. Um, so a researcher um, might defi- uh, decide that that uh, item from Google Books in fact matched an ESTC item, uh, in which case possibly up to three other in, uh, researchers as uh, indicated by those cute smiley faces, had to approve that um, curation. Or they might decide that, in fact, this thing is new to the STC. in which case three ESTC users have to approve that, and then it goes to an editorial review board before it becomes an, uh, an official part of the ESTC. Okay, in these next couple of slides, I to attempt to imagine what I call editing as opposed to curation. <coughs> um, so this shows editing of bibliographic data um, and the, the purple squares are uh, ESTC data itself. The red squares are data contributed by ESTC uh, researchers. Um, and in this particular example I've imagined that somebody says fills out a title say from one of those scans. Uh, then a number of other Researchers have to approve it before it goes to an editorial board um, before becoming an official part of the STC record. And, of course, it can be outputted in a variety of formats for libraries. Finally, this is um, an an attempt to imagine uh, editing a bibliographical, but I should say, by bibliographic, I mean data um, that describes the work, uh, bibliographical being data about the work. And so in this case, uh researchers will be able to contribute uh, information, bibliographical information, and other researchers um, can vote on those uh, contributions. So this is a very uh, quick tour of how I imagine college. There's actually um, more here that I haven't gone into, but I thought I'd just give you some of what it might look like from, uh, from your perspective if you came into it. Let me uh, close by making some general observations about the software. First, I have no doubt that the um, rules for curation and editing uh, these things here uh, will uh, will change uh, with time and will become more nuanced and varied across the data set. In fact, I expect them to. One of the advantages of a system like this is its its flexibility. The rules uh, exist independent of the data and like the data itself, are extensible. So as we get overloaded with some of these, uh, the editorial board gets overloaded with work, we change the rules so that they have less work to do. Um, Secondly, and and to me this is one of the most important things that the project will do, no data will be deleted or overwritten. Researchers will finally be able to dig into the history of an ESTC record and its edits. Um, I think of MARC as as a flat standard when new data is entered, um, it largely replaces whatever came before it. And I, env- I envision the new STC as, um, as akin to Max time machine, or what you're familiar with encountering in, in any wiki site, with layers of information sitting behind what you see. And I consider that kind of essential for this kind of detailed bibliographic work. And finally, although I didn't try to illustrate it here, one of the things that we plan to build into the STC is a library um, administrative interface. Um, where institutions or really uh, technically individuals at institutions can log in, monitor their holdings and and potentially establish analytics. So for example, a librarian working at um, a particular institution might want to receive an alert whenever uh, a user uh, takes some action on a holding um, associated with their institution. Or she might want to analyze bibliographical records associated with their institution's code To see which have received the most um, user edits. So, someone using material, interested in material from the 17th century as opposed to the uh, 1840s. 1740s, sorry. Hopefully, it wouldn't be 1840s in there. Um, As these observations suggest, I believe the resigned ESTC will be a fundamentally different kind of resource than it's been up until now. I would believe it would be richer more dynamic, more informative, and more useful to researchers, institutions, and projects. In short, I hope it will be better. At least that's my hope. Thank you. Go ahead, in the back.
2: Yeah. Is there going to be any kind of, are you envisioning
0: any kind of credentialing for the people that edit smart records and make links to uh, electronic services or can anybody do
1: that? Um,
0: because I would suggest that if you try to get non-professional catalogers doing those things,
2: you will eventually discover you can't find anything, and you'll have to hire us back.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, this system where we... Um, whether or not we require um, a, a login um, I think is something we have to decide, probably, probably not. Um, that You can always save information based on where a person is working from and the, the system will log all of that. Um, I suspect um, one of the options for institutions will be able to kind of lock down their holdings um, so that users can't work on those if the institution doesn't want them to. Or like I said, receive alerts. Um, and with layers of information like this, somebody working on uh, an edit doesn't necessarily become um, an official part of the record immediately. Uh, and it, that slide I showed where you can define the output um, would apply also to the, the history of edits. So if somebody um, wanted to uh, remove particular edits or not include um, particular versions, they could do that. Um, so the way I imagine it is that this, one of the reasons I make a distinction between bibliographic and bibliographic is I see bibliographic as really kind of the core of the STC, what the most important part that, of the file that we want to protect. Uh, and I want to be most careful about user edits in those particular fields, I think. Yeah, James.
2: I think this was great. So I have a compliment and then a kind of semi-formed question. Um, one of the things that you showed uh, that I really like seeing, um, something I like about the ESCC is that the way you think of data has always been somewhat independent of how libraries think mm-hmm. of data. You know, you've been a bibliography, you're not, you don't kind of follow the ups and downs of standards changing. My compliment is I'm very pleased to see you continuing to be critical mm-hmm. about the data structures you're using internally while respecting export. And I think that's a really smart, neat thing. I mm-hmm. think that's great. Um, the question I have has to do with this idea of editing and attention. Um, this may be familiar to you, so there's that little unconference thing, too. But when I think of a bibliography, I think of it as an object that's constructed in part by attentiveness. Right? Mm-hmm. People go in there, and they spend their attention to make it better. Um, and you have all these wonderful new ways for people to contribute their attention to make it a better resource. Um, but I wonder about why you guys think they will do this, mm-hmm. and how much you think they'll do it. Um, I think, in particular, of things like Wikipedia, mm-hmm. which has lots of attention paid on um, paid to two very prominent things like mm-hmm. Star Trek and you know things that people get very excited about, mm-hmm. but other things are ignored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder have you thought about who
1: will pay attention to? Right, right. Why why anyone would want to do this? And I think this gets back to the first question, too. Um, In part, I think that, um, well, for example, uh, one of the other projects in the run that Michael mentioned, the California Digital Newspaper Collection, we have have opened it up for um, uh, users can transcribe OCR text. There you get... I think we have a thousand, gene- mostly genealogists, correcting text, OCR text, they've done over half a million lines of text so far. Um, I think the number of users for the STC is going to be much smaller um, and much more specialized. That's my guess. I mean, in some ways we won't know until we do it, and I don't think anyone else has tried something like this, so we'll be the first. Um, but I have I, my sense is it's going to be a much smaller, very dedicated community of users who really I don't think people go into the STC just to kind of mess around. You know, <laughs> uh, these people love this resource and are are dedicated to it. And I think that um, those would be the kind of people who, who work in the STC. Um, and I think um, what kind of started me on this some years ago was um, looking at footnotes and publications and seeing the kinds of things that people were writing about the STC and wondering why aren't we capturing that work? You know, and um, People saying that, no, the SDC is wrong here, it's really this item. Well, we should, it seems to me that people could do that work and we could capture it. Um, and that, that's kind of what got me started thinking along those lines. Yeah? Yeah? Uh,
2: so I'm actually still not totally clear what audiences you think will contribute um, and what you think their motivation will be for it. Mm-hmm. But being the flip side of the credential question, too, is what recognition will you provide?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. that's a very good question. I mean, um, Laura Mendel has kind of grappled with these in a different context for 18th century Connect, which is uses a colect software that, and um, her model has been to um, kind of uh, take over the some of the roles of scholarly publishing, you know, for creating these um, these editions um, that uh, people might have published in other ways before then. Um, it's something that I gave some thought early in the process. Uh, there seem to be so many other pressing issues just to get the, um, the system going that I I really haven't thought about ways in which we might try to capture this work. I mean, it seemed to me um, that if, if somebody, one possibility, if somebody does a, quite a bit of work around a say somebody's working on 18th century poetry or something like that, they could do a, a body of work within the STC um, that could somehow uh, get acknowledged or could become a separate publication. We don't actually have plans in this initial phase of development for um, developing features that might be useful to a particular uh, researcher working in the STC that they don't necessarily want the public to see, um, but that might be, uh, contribute to some kind of publication in an electronic or paper format. But I could see that that might be one possible way in which um, people could get acknowledgment for working in the STC. Uh, again, it gets back to the question of who's going to be using it. I don't know and how. Um, and one of my regrets of our um, blog in 2012 is that I I tried to announce it as widely as I could through this service, but I didn't do the most obvious thing, and that was to post an announcement on the SDC itself and say, come look at this blog and see what you think of it. So we got quite a few comments back, but I think we could have gotten a lot more and a lot more diverse comments if we had just done that basic thing. So... Yeah, fortunately. Yes?
0: How do you see ESDC's ongoing thinking developing
1: around copy specific data, which is something which ESDC, of course, has traditionally not been interested in, uh-huh. but which library catalogs are increasingly right. including and people are increasingly looking for? Well, I mean, generally, I want to get more of that into the ESDC if we can. The question is how. Um, and as as more institutions move to a true linked data environment, that might be one possible way of of grabbing that data programmatically. Um, A number of libraries... This, by the way, I I guess I should mention, this is not entirely new for the STC. Um, We've allowed libraries to log in and add holdings um, and... Well, okay, so for a number of years, we've allowed libraries to log in and add holdings to items. Uh, More recently, we've opened it up to allow um, kind of experienced catalogers start doing ed- actual editing in the STC um, so I don't I, I see this as kind of a gradual progression it is in some ways a pretty profound break with what the STC has been particularly from the public's perspective um, but in- internally we've kind of been doing these things for a number of years In that annotation note I saw if you've used our version you'll see a lot more annotations in that um, but yes yeah, so I would love to grab more uh uh, holding specific information if we can. Um, all this comes down to a matter of resources and what's a priority. Yeah? Would this, in the long run,
0: allow itself towards actual photos of findings, for example, so binding historians
1: could use it? I would think so. Um, there's no immediate plans for those kind of used, um, I guess, user-contributed images or um, data other than what should know, be marked, bibliographic, bibliographical, but I could see collecting that kind of information. Um, I think the, one of the larger questions for the STC down the road will be, <clears throat> what's the relationship between this bibliographical, bibliographic data that you've been collecting and all of these openly accessible links that you have? At some point, people are going to want, are going to say, I want more than just the bibliographic data. I want want the text. Um, And that, I think, is who's who's in the best position to combine those two things together. Yeah.
0: You're going to list holdings. Institutions, could that be a a link to that copy-specific book at that institution?
1: Yeah, if you've used the SDC, um, you'll know that... Not all holdings are equal in the STC. Uh, And so sometimes, particularly for some of the stuff we've been doing over the last decade, we actually have uh, shelf marks, call numbers. Um, But very often we just know that an institution has one or two copies and we don't know anything beyond that. So part of that is linking the holding in the STC to specific bibliographic record at the institution and then knowing which one to link to and then pulling the data into the STC. Yeah. Along the lines,
2: of what these gentlemen have been saying, for those of us who are contributing libraries and sometimes editing libraries, is there any thought of simply letting us link the bibliographic record in our database to our holdings information? So that if right. someone went into uh, a particular record, they could go on the links for the different holding institutions and see our really bibliographic records, some of which are more complete than right, others. Right, yeah. And also,
1: um, any local information. Mm-hmm. That would ultimately be the aim, not just of the SCC, I think, but of the linked data model more generally. Um, I'm not sure that we can do that easily right now with um, the current generation of library information systems, um, but I think eventually we could get there. And again, um, if you had. What you're linking to is the uh, a holding to essentially a, a unique bib ID at a library, and you just need to know what that bib ID is. Um, but I'm hoping that uh, we can continue working with libraries and processing data to get that kind of um, specific information that we need in to be able to link out. Um, one uh, I, I remembered what I was thinking was when one of you asked a question. I think one of the things that might eventually come out of this is. Um, um specifics uh, or scanning of specific copies if that's something that, um, users are interested in you know as we as the esTC accumulates more holdings and knowledge of which holdings have been scanned you could see an, an opportunity for a scholar who wants a specific holding it um, in London to request it and the SDC might be the the avenue to identify the world of prints and what's what they want scanned Michael you look like you're
0: I'm, I'm going to uh, have the last word and we'll continue the conversation yes. down um, in the reception area. In, in 1988, I was working at a certain institution in London. And um, there was a very young librarian on the counter named David Pearson. And um, I asked David Pearson if he could run certain ESTC blaze searches. <laughs> As they were, they were 10 pence a record. And I estimated that this would cost me about 40 pounds. And I knew that I maybe wouldn't eat for the next week or two, but that it would be okay because I would get these Blaze records, and at 10 pence a record, it would be like gold. And two days later, because that was the lag time, the young David Pearson came out with a stack of sheets this big with the dots. on the sides, you know, and uh, in not very good uh, dot matrix printing. And he put it on the counter, and it was enormous. And I thought, well, maybe I won't eat very much for three weeks, which okay. And um, I went to reach for my wallet, and David Pearson said, under his breath, take it and walk away. <laughs> 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 and this was a fantastic experience in the <laughs> community, and we have been friends ever since. <laughs> so I'd like to publicly acknowledge David of uh, Tapadi. <laughs> and I hope you'll join me in thanking Bri- Brian for a very stimulating discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank,
1: you Thank you very much.
0: And the conversation will continue in the reception area at Rare Book School.
1: Thank you, everyone.